Life Audio. Hey, welcome to Gospel Rant Podcast. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard with Gospel App Ministries. And thanks for listening to Gospel Rant. Did you know we're number 38 on Feedspot's list of top 100 Christian podcasts? Thanks to listeners like you who follow the show and give us a good review. So thanks ahead of time. We are on our series, God's Love for the Unlovable. We'll be doing this until the end of the year. What happens when God's love for the unlovable, the unloved, and the unlovely, and that's all of us on any given day, if we were just a little bit honest, what happens when it bumps into those who are clearly not lovable, not by human standards, they're unworthy, they're unrighteous, they're unclean. What goes down? What does it look like, feel like? What difference does it make in our lives today, right? Well, in this show, we're going to look at what happens when the love of God through Jesus bumps into a person that everyone in that region in that day, in that religion, would have agreed was to be avoided, was to be turned away, cast out, and likely they were cursed by God. Well, no surprise what's going to happen. And we're going to pick this up after a word from our sponsors. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Well, let's go right at it. Mark chapter 1, verse 32 and following. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. It seems that the entire city was there, either being healed or watching them. In verse 45, it says that the people just kept coming. They kept coming from everywhere. But there's something in the way of the party exploding even more. Um, It's in the people's heads. It's pushing against Jesus, what he's doing. And it's likely not what you think. It's not Satan so much. I'm sure he was around. But it's the big hindrance was the law in people's skulls. Or better, how people saw the law, right? Right? it's not what it's supposed to be. And it's almost mentioned in passing, verse 32, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all of the sick and hurting. Well, why after sunset? Well, because according to the Jewish understanding of the law, you must not carry anyone who is ill on the Sabbath, at least uh, unless they're near the point of death. And so they waited till immediately after the Sabbath to have Jesus see and heal the hurting people. So are you tracking me? They're a little bit afraid of God 
his law, they thought, or what they thought God wanted them to do. So that they're hesitant to bring needy people to God, to hurting people to God, or to come themselves to God before, you know, they're worried about doing it wrong somehow. I mean, you see what I mean? You see the head trip that's going on in this moralistic society. They misunderstood the law. When did the law become a hindrance to come to Jesus, to come to redemption? I mean, Jesus said his very presence prophetically in the land is this invitation for all the needy to, to come and for healing. Now, today, redemption. If you thirst, come. Don't wait 10 hours. If there's something in your head that's telling you that, that you need to do something before you come to Jesus um, uh, to get yourself cleaner, you know, become more biblically literate or more prepared before you come to Jesus, it's the same thing that those people were suffering from. I understand it, but it's not going to help you. Jesus is never going to be more enthusiastic to have you in his arms than as you are right now. Yeah. You know, in two congregations, I had participants confidentially write down what their greatest fear as Christians was. And uh, there was the usual death, disease, uh, failing at career, losing family members, but over 60% of the answers were about being afraid to see Jesus' eyes when they crossed into the pearly gates. Here, here's some of the responses. I have fear of God seeing me as a big disappointment. I'm afraid that I'm not good enough for God to love me. I'm afraid that God won't actually receive me at death. Am I really his beloved son or will I be left again? Fear that I don't love him enough. What, what does enough mean? Uh, what if I do not hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest? Will God forgive me for all the things that I've done? Wow, I appreciate their honesty and, and transparency. And these were primarily Christians. They know better. Yet when they're honest, they had deeply unresolved fears. Their brain, that deep, murky, subconscious midbrain where our critical voice lives, is telling them, you know, before you come face to face with Jesus, you have to get better, more enough, faithful, pure, reconciled, addiction-free, righteous, better husband, better wife, better friend, uh, more pure, Christian enough, whatever you mean by all of those things. And then you can finally perhaps go to Jesus with, with less fear that he's going to turn his back on you because that would be very horrible. Don't go yet. Wow. The law was never that, ever. It was always a signpost to Redeemer, to, to the sacrifice, to Jesus. God help us if it ever becomes a closed door in our brains, keeping us from Jesus for some reason. All right, let's keep going on in Mark. One man didn't have that problem. He wasn't worried about that fear of the law, or, you know, when to come. Here it is, verse 40. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. <laughs> Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Leprosy includes probably, uh, it's a broad umbrella term for a variety of chronic skin diseases. So in that culture, the person not only had the pain and disfigurement that comes from such diseases, they would also be forcefully removed from their family and community. This is so important in a tribal culture. Uh, to one degree or another, they were isolated and not their fault. It's not based upon something they did or didn't do. They can't just stop sinning 
right? They're helpless. It feels so unfair. Uh, what did the Jewish writings say about this? The leper was not permitted to enter any house, for his presence conveyed uncleanliness to both men and vessels in the house. And what happens if you have a chance encounter with a leper? If an unclean man, right, leper, stood under a tree and a clean one passed by, the latter becomes unclean. If a clean man stood under a tree and an unclean one passed by, the former remains clean. You can hear the confusion, right? If the latter stood still, the former becomes unclean. What? The implication and, and how it was all interpreted is they were also unclean to God. Right? Lepers could attend synagogues in some places as long as a screen was set up to shield them from the rest of the congregation and God. That's the feel, right? You're separated from the presence of God, from the favor of God, from, from his smiling face. You can't fix it. Is, is the thinking that God had to be protected from you? What a head trip. Again, that law stuff, the misunderstanding of the law. You must get yourself clean first, then you can go to God. How clean do you have to be? No, Jesus, God in flesh, came behind the screen to touch lepers because that's what God does. So it's abusive, right? You're, if you're a leper, you're stuck big time. And maybe you're not a leper, but you have those same feelings. You've done something, you're soiled, you're impure, and you feel like you have to get God once you're screened off. No. <laughs> See, I don't have any doubt that if I took that fear survey back in the time of Jesus, fear of leprosy would be mentioned. You know, if you, look, it's so confusing. If you've got a rash or some sore, and who does it every now and then? You're supposed to appear before the priest? Oh, my goodness. That's pretty subjective, right? And he, they would determine whether it was infectious or not. But really, they're not doctors. And if it was not infectious, the priest officially declares you clean or if, or are unclean, but nobody knows for sure, and your reputation is shot. No, that's not how God thinks. This non-theologically trained leper somehow gets it right. The rest had just misunderstood the heart of God through the incarnation of Jesus, right? This love of God that pursues and loves the untouchables, the unlovable, the, the unloved, the unlovely, the impure, the unworthy. Look, the leper has zero hesitancy. That's the point. And Mark begins with this powerful, clean, he comes as a historical, present, participle, stressing him just enthusiastically coming. Then he actively is begging Jesus and then kneeling. You know, think over and over. He couldn't do it more emphatically. And Mark could have just said that he begs Jesus, falls to his knees. But this this needy man is all in. How do you say that? Well, that's Mark tried. No hesitancy. The leper's not worried about what others think or what the law says. He's all in for Jesus. And then the leper blurts out, if you so choose, you can fix me. You can fix my life. You can make me clean again. You can make me worthy. <sighs> it was generally held that only God can heal leprosy. The priest... The law can observe whether somebody has leprosy, clean or unclean, but they can't fix it. They can't do anything about it. Only God. And the rabbis affirmed that it was as difficult to heal the leper as to raise the dead, meaning only God does it. So this leper, unnamed, too bad, seems to be saying that he somehow came to believe that Jesus is the very hand of Yahweh. Well, 
That's amazing faith. Where did it come from? Look, such faith is God-sourced. It comes from God. It's not from our muscle groups. So I'm confident that like in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, man or woman, to empower them to vanquish an impossible foe or to give birth even though they're barren or to be healed, here, the Spirit somehow, how is above my pay grade, comes upon this unnamed leper and empowers him with his superhuman faith. He's already a disciple of Jesus before he begs and kneels. And now everybody can see his faith. It's a good time to get a brief word from our sponsors. We'll be right back and take this story into the present. Don't miss it. We'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So let me bring this narrative into our day and time. I mean, go with me here. I want you to imagine Jesus returning a couple years ago in the middle, the pinnacle of the COVID pandemic. And remember the scariness of COVID? We didn't know where it came from. It was everywhere. We didn't know how to protect ourselves from it. A lot of people were dying and getting sick. It was changing lives. We learned to isolate from others, to wear masks, to put people in quarantine, even if we just thought they may have had it. We separated families, even the most vulnerable, from their loved ones. We put schools and churches online. Fear was palpable. Loneliness, isolation has rocketed to unbelievable levels. And there was a sense of clean and unclean, right? Or the vaxxed and anti-vaxxers. And no one was really sure who was was what. And there was a great deal of fear. So think back to that moment for you. You got a cough, a chill, and you hoped that you had the flu or some allergy or some psychosomatic illness, or maybe just a mild case of the COVID, right? Some variant. But until you were fully healed, and we didn't have priests, so we had test strips, you were considered unclean. Unclean. Vaccines helped. No one was sure how well or which of the vaxes were effective. And, and would I get it again? Would it come back? Well, then Jesus I want you to imagine Jesus walking through the hospital ward, the COVID hospital ward. Somehow he got in, and he's touching your relatives. 
those who had the disease, they got healed. Huge crowd, right, might break in and asking to be touched by him. I imagine the waiting room would have been filled. And if Jesus had entered the COVID ward, how would it have gone down? I mean, would he have had to put on one of those protective suits, his face all covered and masked up, gloves on his hands, separating the poor and firm from his skin, his intimate touch, because we didn't want him to get sick? No. Check out Mark. 41. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, the leper. I'm willing, he said, be clean. I'm sure he's just smirking, repeating back to the man what the man asked. And immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. So, you know, Mark talked about the enthusiasm of the leper. Jesus, his, his heavenly enthusiastic love, repeated that for this untouchable, unlovable, diseased person. And it's manifested for everyone to see, for the leper to really see close up, right? The Greek word that Jesus felt was splagnizomai, this deep compassion that only God manifests. Splag, I call it. It's visceral. It's gut-wrenching. Humanly speaking, it's an emotional response. Jesus, this is Jesus. When he sees people, he feels their pain. It's so great. Jesus has visibly moved towards this unclean, helpless man to rescue him, not from a distance, but up close, face to face, and he does it by touch. That's how close he has to get. This man had not been touched maybe for a long time. This is just what the doctor ordered. Jesus is not a distant or stoic healer. His actions are obvious, they're personal, they're emotional, intimate. He's all in for this man. How cool would it have been for the leper to see Jesus' eyes when everyone else moved away, looked away, looked down. Jesus energetically reaches out, touches him, looks him straight in the eyes, and the guy could see how much Jesus loved him, his plagnizomai. And that plagnizomai is, is only attributed to Jesus and to the ideal godlike characters in three of his parables. It does not include any trace of judgment or hesitancy on Jesus' part, or some kind of probation, or some kind of, you know, need, you know, I'm going to touch you, but I need to lecture you about your sin, I need you to repent, or, or Jesus being worried about being soiled or infected. It's not careful when it touches. You know, kind of a holding your nose kind of thing. It moves towards infectious people, touches the infectious people, and treats them as if they were clean. He honors them. He's showing that they're worthy of being embraced in spite of uh, how people have been treating you or me. It's a great contrast. The world saw the leper as unclean, dirty, the object of contempt and avoidance, someone or something to be afraid of, to be protected against. And they did that in the name of God. But God comes, and not only does he not avoid him, he approaches him, he touches him, he heals him, and he shows him love, this plagnizomai, face to face between him and Jesus. Man, that's good stuff. Can you imagine what the leper felt when he looked into Jesus' face? His eyes, it's likely been a long time since he was that in anyone's eyes. Not only was he healed, he felt honored by Jesus. He felt loved and lovely, lovable by Jesus, by God. This is what this love of God does. Don't miss it. So back to Mark. 
Jesus' dual touch and sovereign pronouncement mean the same thing. I will be healed. (laughs) He hadn't changed. The results were obvious to all who could see. This is beyond a declaration of healing that a priest could do. It's something. So one more redundancy from Mark just for emphasis, a couplet for emphasis, and leprosy left him and he was healed. (laughs) Wow. See, I mentioned that the leper just didn't wake up that day and believe that Jesus could do something for him that no priest could do. I said, and I firmly believe that it was God's spirit who came upon him in the moment somehow, way above my pay grade, and he got a faith, a trust in Jesus that he just didn't have before, not a week before, not a day before, and many in the crowd didn't have that. This is God, again, pursuing this leper. But you, Christian, you don't need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. He's already in your inner being. Paul says so in Ephesians 3. So your role as a follower of Jesus is to regularly ask God for his power, God-sourced, through the Spirit in your inner being to begin to make you feel the same fruit of the Spirit, faith, that the leper felt. And in that space, nothing would keep you from really looking up as you are into the face of God, begging on your knees for healing whatever your healing is, and you're reminded that as you gaze into God's loving eyes that he is so proud of you right now. He's not shying away. Okay, in the next show, we're going to take a look at the perhaps the most easy-to-not-love person in the Bible, or at least the first. What happens when the love of God for the unlovable, the unloved, and the unlovely bumps into the first murderer, Cain? Yeah. Let me know what you think about this series. Bill at gospel-app.com. Hey, listen, if you benefited from this podcast, please give a comment wherever you listen to podcasts and officially follow the program. This gives you an update when new podcasts come out. I thank you ahead of time. Take heart, child of God. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.